Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commas by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. I would say this is the first week in a little while where I'm equally as excited to talk about Summer House as I am Vanderpump. Totally. Both of these episodes had so much going on and it was such a fun week to be in the Bravo community because I think everybody just was buzzing about these shows and had so many freaking opinions about them and just wanted to talk. I know. And the other thing is I feel like for the most part, obviously not a hundred percent, but most people's opinions were pretty aligned for both episodes. Like you could be the biggest Danielle apologist in the world. You still think the way she handled the situation was shitty. If somehow you are a fan of Raquel, there's no world in which you watched her interaction with Ariana and didn't cringe. So there was just a real sense of camaraderie in the air. It was, yeah, just so much fun. But you're right. It is a really rare occurrence where there's things like this going on and it's not necessarily polarizing. Like everyone had a lot of thoughts and things to say and things to add and perspectives on the situation. But I think the end goal, I'd say 98% was pretty much the same, which is like, you know, it's fun. I I love seeing all sides of the coin, but like this just, it was an obvious choice. Yeah. For both. Okay. So our goal is to hit the big four, Vanderpump, Summerhouse, Atlanta, Jersey. Before even getting into the Vanderpump episode, we immediately have to talk about Lala's podcast, which if you didn't listen, no worries. We have all of the key points outlined here, but there is really a lot to discuss from this. Yeah. I mean, I think this was the insight we really needed, especially after last week when we had so many questions about, did they really not edit this at all? Because previously, like after Scandable had broken, everyone was saying, the castmates, Andy, everyone, that nothing was touched. And we would just see the season as per usual, you know, last night would have been the finale. And then they're tacking this new Scandival episode on the end. However, things and plans clearly change somewhere along the way to make it more of a cohesive story. And also, I think, provide a little context that they obviously weren't planning on giving us or scenes or things that felt unimportant until they became important. Yeah. So the title of this episode was the one where it wasn't re-edited until it was. And she starts out by saying, listen, I had told you guys that there was no re-editing until Scandal happened and I spoke too soon. And one of the first things she hits on, which is exactly what we discussed last week, is that all of her narration last episode where she was kind of getting us to where we're at, that was all recorded post-Scandal. Because as Isabel was saying, there were these scenes that were filmed, but they seemed like throwaway scenes until they started to put the pieces together and realized Talking about Tom leaving this party, for example, actually had so much more importance than they ever would have thought. Well, I guess that sort of answers our question too of like, we did not expect this to be a full story arc. It's just unbelievable that they had all this footage. And like, I mean, we've hypothesized about this a million times. If this week's episode had ended and it closed on Lisa giving that speech, Andy would have dedicated a very small segment to Raquel and Tom and their kind of weird friendship relationship at the reunion. It would have been 
sort of played off as why does everyone hate Raquel and this whole thing about the girls versus Raquel. And that's sort of where it would have been left off and we'd move on. I know. And thank God that's not how it happened because listen, I like a sentimental Lisa Vanderpump toast as much as the next guy, but that was not cutting it. Like this next week, that is the finale that I think we want, we deserve, we were praying for. But in terms of Lala's podcast, there's so much we have to discuss here. And I really want to start out with all things pool party because you know, she's talking about this Labor Day pool party. One of the first things she says is there were no cameras there, right? So once they started to realize that this potentially played a little bit more into the plot, the producers actually had to go to Sheena and say, Sheena, we know that you were vlogging for Patreon. Like we got to get some of that footage. So what we saw on the show, those bits and pieces, those were clips actually initially taken from Sheena's Patreon, just as kind of a, a side note, fun fact. Second of all, what Lala was saying in terms of Sandoval not leaving that party to be with Ariana when she found out her grandma died was that, yeah, people thought that it was a little bit off, but more so from the angle of how are you not going to be with your girlfriend during this very trying time? Whereas from Lala's lens, yes, it was that on top of the fact that he was so close spending so much time with Raquel in addition to not being with Ariana. So her mind went to not only is this a little bit off, this is also a little bit weird Raquel-wise. And then, which to me was hands down the most interesting part of the podcast, was Lala discussing that scene at the end of last week's episode where it was her, Ariana, and Sandoval standing at the bar at the Heartspring party, where Lala kind of mentions to Ariana that she thinks Tom is pretty much bullshitting her with the story about why he didn't leave. It wasn't that he couldn't get a car. He knew Jason was leaving, all of that. Anyway, what Lala says is that when she first brings that up to Ariana, she got so livid to the point where production had to step in and Lala literally sat down while Ariana hashed it out with production because that was not a conversation Ariana wanted to have on camera. So eventually when she's willing to have it, that's when Sandoval comes in and they discuss it. But if you remember in last week when Ariana says, you know what, I'm not doing this. And she's like, I'm not going to defend someone who who is lying to me or whatever she says. Lala basically says when she said, I'm not doing this, what she really meant was I'm not having this conversation at all. Which is funny because when you watch the conversation go down on camera, I think we said this last week too, like it felt like such a calm, genuine, mature conversation, but actually like the genesis of it wasn't that smooth at all. I know because I remember saying last week, one of my biggest takeaways was actually the lack of chaos around that conversation. I felt that all things considered, it was handled with a lot of clarity, a lot of maturity, which makes sense that Ariana did have that reaction. She just had that reaction off camera. So she got her anger out and then she was able to kind of discuss it pretty simply here. But the other thing Lala said, which I found to be so interesting, is that Ariana said that she wasn't necessarily upset with the way things went down, but Lala's mom was at the pool party and overheard Sandoval on the phone with Ariana. And Lala's mom came back to her and was like, they were scream fighting. Like Sandoval hung up on her a couple of times, which basically to say, unless this came up, unless Lala brought it up, Ariana would have never brought up how pissed she was at the way that Tom handled that. Because it obviously isn't the first time that something like this has happened. I mean, they've been together for 10 years and also they sort of have that kind of relationship. And I think Ariana keeps things close to the chest, doesn't bring things on camera about her relationship and doesn't really like when other people get involved. Like even her reaction when Lala is talking to her about it is sort of like, I'll handle it. I'll have a conversation with him. I don't need all these opinions. And I feel like she almost wants to say, I know and recognize all this. I don't need anyone to tell me. So Everything you're telling me is like, I already know it, which is like not a great feeling, I think, you know, for someone to point out things that you definitely have realized in your own relationship, your own inner monologue, and like have been processing how you're going to handle it. For someone to air that out, it feels like probably invasive, like, whoa, like get 
you know, your thought, my own thoughts and opinions now are out in the open airing out the dirty laundry. Well, that's why, did you hear at the end of the podcast when Lala was basically saying, yeah, I think that there is a world in which if this didn't become such a public story, that Ariane would have handled this behind closed doors. She would have maybe forgiven him. He would have manipulated her enough where she would have said, okay, we just won't talk about this. As long as no one knows there isn't that embarrassment factor, we can work through this. And she was like, thank God she leaned into that strength when she was so angry. And she kind of let the strength of the anger carry her through to say, no, we're blowing this the fuck up. And I'm going to make this statement once and for all, which that is kind of a plus side to just how public this all became. Well, yeah, like when she said Ariana literally texted everyone the second she found out about it and I think aided it almost in the blow up of it and how quickly it spread to hold herself accountable, which is just like not ever anything I considered, you know, because just how publicly it unraveled. But like Ariana definitely played a role in that and discovering it and putting it out there and like allowing and also encouraging her friends to speak on it and completely bash him with no sort of like harness on them to say like, wait, we have to see, we're going to figure it out and have a conversation with him. Like she really, from the moment it happened, completely cut it off and made that decision and had everyone around her give the same energy so that she wouldn't be weak and go back to him. And like, I think at this point, I mean, she already has a new guy, but just in general, even if she didn't, or even if she was like still thinking about it, there's just no world. Like it just, the way it played out, I think a lot thanks to her, it would literally never happen. And that's of course, obviously for the best. Well, exactly, because we've said from the very beginning, Ariana was leaning into all of this, meaning obviously she can't stop TMZ from breaking a headline, but she can stop herself and that crew from really going in on it. And we always felt that that was just a direct response to the anger and the rage and the embarrassment that she must have felt, which it was. Like, of course, she had no problem with Tom looking as bad as he did and potentially even worse. But to find out that there was this other kind of motive there that was really getting herself to that point where she took it so far that even she couldn't look back, that is context that Lala was giving. Yeah, because never even in our deepest analyzing of it did we ever think that she would need that sort of boundary set for herself, but clearly she did. Like, I thought it was just purely a, you know, burn the fucking house down, let's blow this up, and everyone needs to know the truth and see what's going on versus I, for myself, need this to be the way it is so that I can be set up for success. Right, exactly. Which, honestly, I think is, like, pretty profound self-awareness and something that I can commend. Yeah, I was going to say, so so self-aware to know like what will help your future self the most. Other takeaways from Lala's podcast, she had the same thought that we did as many other people did that this whole Ken dropping tea during the sandwich making at Villa Rosa was 100% a Lisa Vanderpump strategic move. You know, she can stay out of it. She can keep her hands clean and let Ken do her dirty work. I mean, <laughs> you could be watching Vanderpump Beverly Hills for the first time and know that that was what was going on. It's, just, it's Lisa Vanderpump 101. Also, in terms of the beach day and post-beach day when Raquel spent the night, she was saying, you know, initially, Schwartz wasn't in on the lie. So Sandoval said, well, she slept on the couch or no, she slept in the guest room, but Schwartz slept in the guest room. And Schwartz was saying, I didn't sleep over. I had the dogs. So it wasn't until after the fact that he kind of got in on it and then was covering for Sandoval. But initially, Schwartz didn't know he was supposed to be covering for anything, apparently. What this made me think of was like, Here is this huge seven-month-plus scheme, like one of the biggest scandals in pop culture, and you fuck up, or the things that started 
you know, giving it away were that you couldn't get the story straight about like one night where she slept. Like it's such a stupid thing to go down for that now that they see it is fully there. I mean, you, you forget who you're dealing with here. Like again, not the sharpest tools in the shed. So it's like, I can't believe how long they pulled it off. But then for like something like this to be your downfall is just like actually laughable. Like you can't just pick a story and stick with it. No, it's, it was, it was, you could tell that this was the part where shit started to get a little bit messy. And it was, even, yeah. even Schwartz was saying that about Sandoval. Like he started to, to maybe lose it a little in terms of his care. Yeah. I mean, I think the longer it went on, the, harder it was to keep it a secret. And also, as everyone said, he started to get a lot more brazen with it because I think he was pushing the boundaries, seeing how far it could go and also caring less and less about Ariana and maybe realizing like he really did want to end their relationship and perhaps he really did want to be with Raquel. It was interesting last night on Watch What Happens when Katie was like, listen, honestly, I stand by what I said. I hope that they can make it work because they have blown up their lives so severely that like this would honestly be best case scenario for both of them. Yeah, because for so many reasons, they deserve each other. They went through this together. They actually both understand it the best out of anybody. And who knows what it would look like trying to find somebody else. But also... I think it would be very depressing for both of them to look back and see how much they've gone through for this and that the relationship wasn't even worth it. Like, at least if it was worth it and it's this like epic, not in a good way, love story, they could like live with themselves and go to sleep at night knowing that what they did and ha- what everything that happened to them was for like a successful purpose. It's so, it's so hard to even talk about this seriously, you know? Like I know, to really, I know. To really to consider this. To root for them. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a very bizarre spot to be in. But I don't know. I just thought Lala's podcast was excellent. I love the way that she delivers information just so clearly. No bullshit. It's, it's a really enjoyable listen. There's not a lot of fluff. Okay, moving on to the episode. I do just want to say we are recording this before the reunion trailer has been released. We know for a fact it's being released today. Andy said it earlier on the radio. But- Obviously, we don't have that yet, so that's why we won't be discussing it. But guys, holy fuck, I am so excited. It's going to be so good. I know we're going to hear things and just see the interactions in a way we never have before. Also, Ariana is going to be on Watch What Happens Live after the finale next week. So that, too, will be amazing. In a kind of weird way, I'm almost more excited for that than I am for the reunion because... I feel like it'll be the most updated information. Like, I feel like at this point, the reunion was already, you know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, and everyone's attitude and sort of has let it settled in a little bit. I'm curious to see how Ariana is on Watch What Happens first at the reunion and also just like her difference of perspective and opinion. And hopefully Andy will ask follow-up questions that the reunion didn't get. Ariana being on Watch What Happens post-finale is best case scenario, because I know for a fact we would have finished that finale and had so many questions we wanted to ask everyone, but specifically her. And you know one thing about Andy Cohen, he's going to ask those questions. Of course he is. And he's going to really figure out what things we need to know straight from her mouth on next Wednesday. And I think she's in such a good place, probably way better than she was even at the reunion. And I just, I'm so excited. Oh my God, that's going to be the most amazing Wednesday night. You know, the other thing is like, yeah, we have next week and then we have the reunion, but let us not forget the reunion is, I would say, minimally three parts. So we got ourselves a whole other month of this shit. 
Right. And we also have these like extra interviews, one-on-ones, I think that'll go on Peacock. Like the content is never going to stop. I'm also curious to see after the reunion airs and maybe while it's airing, the cast coming out and talking about things that they probably weren't allowed to while the show was still airing or that they couldn't talk about before the reunion about filming the reunion. And, you know, they really had to be tight-lipped through all of this. So I feel like it's just, it's just never going to end, nor do I want it to. But like, we are technically like coming to the end of the season, but I don't think it's going to even slow down at all. I'm just, I'm just over the moon. Like you guys, we're really, we're really kicking it into high gear. I'm ready to go. I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear and it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out. But one of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality, affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So The way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings on to us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, now getting into this cinematic masterpiece of an episode, we begin at Something About Her, where Ariana and Katie are kind of just talking about the whole pool party situation. Ariana saying, you know, she's not mad at Lala for bringing it up even though we know from Lala's podcast that she was, but she just gets triggered by all of it. And to me, this is prime example of what we were saying last week, where if Scandal didn't happen, 
even though Ariana knew she wasn't being treated the way she deserved to, the relationship wasn't as love-filled as it once was, she wasn't really having fun, she probably would have stayed in it. You know, like you you see her in her confessional say, yeah, this type of thing just frustrates me because it, it gives people a reason to undermine our relationship and that that bothers me. And it's like, people aren't just looking for a reason to undermine the relationship out of the blue. There are legitimate reasons being given based on the fact that people care about you so much and see the way this asshole is treating you. And also like everyone's read that they didn't go that deep into, I think they just sort of had this mutual understanding was like, yeah, they're sort of just roommates. You know, they've been together. They're not going to break up, but they're not going to get married. Like they just sort of accepted that. And I think Ariana did too, but she led the vibes in being okay with it. So everyone else was okay with it and never questioned it until like things started popping up that were out of the norm. I mean, like we said, they started off really strong in their relationship, but then they sort of got into this, I guess some would say unconventional, untraditional pattern of leading their own lives, not being that kind of couple. You know, they were saying like, you see them at parties apart, they show up apart, they don't know what they're doing, what the other one's doing. Like, those kinds of things. And everyone just said, yeah, that's Tom and Ariana. It's like, sounds like an oxymoron, but it was almost as though she was exhibiting like enthusiastic complacency. (laughs) And because she was, everyone else just also decided, yeah, I guess we'll have to be complacent about the situation if she's the one in it and she's not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like everyone knew it wasn't kosher, but what are they going to do? What are they going to say? That's why when this whole thing started to happen, specifically if you're Lala, there were real tangible things you could point to of like, let's maybe discuss this a little bit further. Well, I think also what happened was she really fought both of them for their independence in their relationship. And it it just got to a new level almost where it was like, whoa, like there's independent and then there's this. But because she, I guess, had quote, asked for it, the more independent away from each other they got, I think she still was like, yeah, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I want. And so everyone believed, okay, this is what she wants. And if she didn't, she would say something. But like, it got to a point where they were completely pushed away from each other. And I think she just, it was so such a slow build that maybe she didn't realize how far away it had gotten. But like, that's why everybody sort of was just like, yeah, they're happy. They're great. Nothing will ever happen or change with them. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into Ariana and Tom's conversation in a second, even though I know if we're choosing here, the scene that is the most important to talk about is obviously Ariana and Raquel at Sir, but that's a little bit later on. I do for a moment just have to mention the lightning bolt necklace scene because if you would have told me that Raquel bought this necklace herself, <laughs> I would have never believed you. That really made the whole thing much darker. I know this might sound crazy, but one of the things I'm the most excited to see on the reunion is the mention of the lightning bolt because I've been such a non-believer up until this point and thought it was just a coincidence that he had it on his jackets and she had the necklace and whatever. But like, if I hear them say that and that that's a real thing and that it really was like their thing, their symbol of love, I will just, I will plots. I'm telling, I knew you were going to say plots. (laughs) I'm I'm telling (laughs) you right now, whether or not they say it, I'm, I'm believing that. I I like it. It gives a different element to this entire story that I think just, you know, makes it even more substantial. Yeah. I mean, I obviously love it. I just like, I need to hear it out of one of their mouths to really process it. So before getting into the conversation between Ariana and Tom, we obviously have this conversation between Tom and Tom at Schwartz and Sandy's where it's the same shit as the last few weeks. Schwartz has basically decided he is on board with helping 
Sandoval to roll out this narrative of the type of relationship that him and Ariana have. Thus, when they do eventually break up or when the news of the affair comes out, he looks like less of an asshole because he has been priming the audience. So it's the same shit, this very kind of intentional, contrived story being set up, even if a lot of it is true, the way in which he's doing it, as we've discussed a million times, is highly manipulative. But what I find to be so amazing about Tom Sandoval is like, this is clearly something he has rehearsed, something that he is setting out to do, to have the scene, to have it filmed, to, you know, substantiate his claims. Yet the best examples he can come up with are pens and batteries in the drawers. Right, like the house chores or errands aren't divided up evenly. By the way, I think that's a problem that pretty much every couple would agree that they have is like the division of labor and housework and, uh, you know, what has to be thought of and like all those things. And- that's what you're going to say now is the crumbling of your nine relationship and that she does nothing for you. Like, don't use that as an example. If you have to say she does nothing for you, fine. And like, she doesn't think of you or doesn't go out of her way. Fine, fine. I'll let you have it. But the example you're going to give is that she doesn't go out and get paper towel. Like, what is he? He's so, it's like back to the thing I was saying about the excuses. Like, just think it through a little. You are really like going out on a limb here, like very ballsy trying to give these examples on camera and paint this picture. And you can't even think it through for five minutes. I'm so glad you just said that because to me, the difference in the way that they described and desired quality time was so telling for so many reasons. I think first of all, like if we just remove Tom Sandoval from the equation and you just heard someone say that, that, you know, to them, something really exciting is doing shrooms and watching the sunrise or going hang gliding or doing these things. That's not something that I'm shaming. Like I actually do think those types of, you know, out of body experiences can be really fun and fulfilling to do with another person and can be very intimate and connecting totally. But that can't be the core when you are in a 10 year relationship, that can't be the core of the way you want to spend your time with the other person, just for the sole fact that it's simply not realistic. Like you you just can't go hang gliding every weekend. Most likely for two very busy people, that's not going to happen. There's just no world in which that can serve as the consistent type of quality time versus her explanation, which are, you know, more quote, normal things. But I honestly think the biggest takeaway in all of this is that you hear even in his description He's like chasing this high, not only an adrenaline rush, but just this high, something that makes him feel like his life is fulfilling and exciting. And it is so clear how he got to the Raquel of it all. When Schwartz says on Watch What Happens, Raquel was his heroine, that is exactly what it was. He is not okay with having a life that he views to be normal. He doesn't want that. You know, what Ariana is craving is like, what a lot of people would just describe as a pretty normal, loving, some may even say mundane relationship. That excited her. That's what she wanted with him. She just wanted to do those normal couple-y things. Normalcy was not exciting to him. And so you see, like, to me, there is such a clear connection with how he got to the Raquel of it all, because in his mind, that is the benchmark of a successful relationship. The, The type of rush he felt with her and the newness of it. And to be honest, part of that fueled by the secrecy of the whole thing. I also feel like Ariana's mentioned this before, but that Tom loves to go out and like peacock, she calls it, and get all this attention and go out on the town and have these like crazy electric nights. I mean, by the way, the formation of his band and like having people come and cheer him on, all of it is all so connected. But it's like, she is starting to feel like everyone else is getting the best of him and she's not getting any of him. So that's like a terrible feeling. You know, again, I just try to think 
What would we feel about their relationship? What would you and I come on here and analyze about them? Let's say Raquel never happened, or let's say it started coming out like he had cheated a couple of times with random people that we just like don't know who they are. Would we think that this was the end of their relationship or would they work through it or would we want them to work through it? Do we think that they would be endgame? I know it's like so hard to say now, just given what we know about Tom and like it's hard to remember how we used to feel about him and also like what it used to be like when he cared so much about Ariana that he would do anything for her. But like, I don't know. I feel like the producers and everyone watching this was like, oh yeah, Ariana and Tom are going through a rough patch. We'll see where it leads to versus like, of course, this uh, world explosion thing happens that makes the decision for her. But I just don't know what we would think otherwise. I think we would have said this doesn't feel like a sustainable dynamic. We can't understand why someone, specifically someone that has their head seemingly as screwed on straight as Ariana, would have any desire to be with Tom Sandoval. But, you know, this is clearly the situation. And I think we kind of just would have accepted defeat as all of her friends have for the last however many years, you know? So yeah, it wouldn't have been a dynamic we necessarily endorsed, but I think it would have kind of just been something we had grown to accept. Definitely wouldn't have been as groundbreaking. I want to, in one second, get into that conversation between Ariana and Raquel. I do just want to say the peacocking comment that that you uh, mentioned earlier, later on in the episode, I forget who she's talking to, but she says, yeah, you know, he doesn't feel like he's being heard by me, which is why he always has to be the loudest person in every room, which, I mean, makes so much sense, but it was interesting to hear her kind of take on that. Oh, totally. And by the way, everything she notices about him is true. It's like, all the things about Tom Sandoval, she knows. She just puts up with it and thinks that's Tom until it got to a point where like it was actually affecting her. And uh, yeah, I mean, he just has so many fucking annoying qualities. I don't know how she put up for it for so long. <laughs> for now, for one second, like truly. He, <laughs> he needs, he desires attention in such a scary way. It is really concerning actually because it yeah. like affects other people and it's just like such an unsettling presence. Yeah. Okay, Putting a pin in the Raquel Katie Schwartz of it all, which like, yes, a lot to talk about, but all things considered, we got to go to this Raquel and Ariana conversation. All right. Yes, we do. Like, oh my God, everyone brace yourself. I feel like this will be re-triggering because I'm sure if, if you, I, I don't even have to say I'm sure. I know for 100% fact, if you were watching this, you were having the same reaction that we were, which is like, if my computer wasn't so expensive, I would crash it. The way that Raquel began this conversation and sort of kicked this off was the exact same energy of Sandoval continuing to try and like start these conversations with Ariana. Like, hey, yeah, like I just feel like we're really unhappy right now. Raquel walks up to Ariana and is like, hey, I just wanted to ask if you and Sandoval are okay. Seeming all innocent that she just like had heard a buzz about things and she was coming from a concerned, loving friend place, which of course, why would Ariana ever doubt that? But it was the same energy like, all right, what are you trying to get at here? Like, what are you trying to have said on camera so that, you know, you can kind of cover your ass as much as possible? When she moved into the sexual component, like when Raquel was the one, no, no. When she was the one to bring that up and say, you know, I remember when I opened up to you about James and I not having sex and you told me that sometimes Sandoval and I go through dry spells and Ariana responds, we do. You get home from working all night and you're like, what, you think you're just going to whip your dick out and I'm going to be like, let's fuck? Like that's never going to happen. We have to spend time together. And Raquel looks her dead in the eyes and says, I just feel like in a relationship, you should want to like have sex, Ariana, but you have to be emotionally intimate before you can be physically intimate. Raquel asks, 
So you guys were emotionally intimate at one point, obviously, right? Otherwise you wouldn't have gotten a house together. Ariana says, yeah, I mean, we spent time together. Raquel then asks, do you feel like you're sexually attracted to him? Ariana responds, oh my God, I think he's so fucking hot. But then I'm like, I'm not hot. You don't look at my body and go, yeah, that's what I want. I want cellulite, fat thighs, a big ass, bingo arms. Raquel then starts crying, pleading with her. Ariana, stop. I think a lot of this is in your own head. And that makes me really sad because I do that to myself too. It's fucked up. I think we're a lot prettier than we think we are and we're our own worst critics and that translates into our sexual lives. And now that I'm single, I think sex is a very important part of the healthy relationship. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just get through this. Raquel then says, you know, clearly you want to stay in this relationship. And Ariana says, yeah, I do. I mean, I wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't who I wanted to be with. And Raquel then responds, I guess my point is not everyone is that way. And for me, I knew that I should have broken up with James two years before because I wasn't attracted to him anymore. Ariana says, well, I think we'll talk it all out and it'll be fine. That is not okay. I just don't even know what else to say about it. I want to know, did she think that this was like the beginning of her helping plant a seed that Ariana should break up with Sandoval? Like, did she think by having this conversation and asking these questions, she was somehow going to get them to break up or for Ariana to end it with him? Like, I mean, I'm sorry. That's pretty, like, how dumb can you be? I'm just going to say it. Like, come on here. It's so much more than that. Forget about what she was trying to get at for Ariana or convince Ariana of, or maybe think that she was maybe going to set off this light bulb in Ariana's head. It was the fact that her and Sandoval were in cahoots and both separately trying to push this narrative on the show. I would bet my life no matter how much they denied, I would bet my life that her and Sandoval had many off-camera conversations where they both kind of knew their roles, knew what they had to do, and they were going to divide and conquer, basically. Sandoval said to Schwartz, all right, me and you are going to have these scenes where this is what we talk about. Raquel said, don't worry, I'll, I'll do a little bit of your dirty work as well. I'm going to try to have an on-camera discussion with Ariana where I get her to say it. Maybe she won't say it to you on camera. Maybe she'll say it to me. Like I, This was so fucking planned and manipulative and exactly trying to feed into the story that they are trying to tell. It is... I, I, okay. I'm sorry. I like really need to gather my thoughts. I just t- felt my body language, which reminder to everyone because I just did it. Roll your shoulders back. Take a deep breath. I feel like we're carrying a lot of tension in our necks from this. But here, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Everything else aside, I think that as a woman talking to your female friends about the depths of your insecurities when it comes to sex is one of the most vulnerable things you can do and one of the most vulnerable and intimate places you can be in. And the fact that Ariana is opening up to Raquel in this way about what is going through her mind when she even thinks about having sex with Tom and Raquel is fucking him while trying to comfort her. That fucks a person up. Like this would have been a ridiculous conversation no matter what, but once it got into the like ins and outs of the way Ariana feels mentally, emotionally, and physically about their sex life. This is so twisted. This is the kind of shit that makes me say, okay, I just thought Raquel was stupid and maybe a little bit in this, you know, shamelessness era of her life. No, like this is signs of someone who is not the best person. It just goes to show you how highly Ariana thought of Raquel because I think if anyone else had made these comments or asked these questions to her, regardless of what was going on behind the scenes, she'd be like, 
what are you trying to insinuate? Like Raquel is literally like, wait, so you guys have like had a connection before, like you bought a house together. Like Ariana's like, obviously, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like trying to get her to say these things like, well, we haven't really, or we haven't for years, or like, I feel like it's dwindling and, you know, trying to get to that main ding, ding, ding moment where she says, you know, I think we're not headed in a good direction. I think we're going to break up. By the way, then she could go back to Sandoval and say, I think you can do it. She's sort of on the same page. Like, you know, give him the opening and the out, which is like, again, also so fucked up. Like it's all the most fucked up it could possibly be. And I think we had previously been like kind of guessing what this conversation between Raquel and Ariana that Lala and Andy were like, oh my God, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And I think we had guessed that it was like Ariana saying, I think Tom's cheating on me, but I'm going to be honest. I think this was way worse. This was 1,000 million times worse. This was like, to me, absolute worst case scenario. I also want to mention the possibility, not that this is really the story that I'm believing, but I do do just think if we're trying to look at this from like a detective perspective, it is also possible that Sandoval had been telling Raquel, I'm going to break up with her. I'm going to break up with her. And Raquel was like, let me see, let me see the deal from, from my angle. You know what I mean? Like, let's see if, if what she's saying matches what he's saying. Right. Like, I don't know who's to say maybe Sandoval didn't want her to do any of that and thought that it would be like way easier to get caught. And he was saying like, I don't know how she feels about our relationship. And she took it upon herself to talk to Ariana because she knows that they have that close friendship. Like there's a billion different scenarios. I mean, like the the girls and all the castmates have said like Tom and Raquel also in their own right were toxic with each other. Like it wasn't just butterflies and rainbows. So there obviously was like a lot of tension and stress and pressure on their relationship when it wasn't supposed to be a relationship. And then after this broke, when whatever they were going through was going on. So like, who's to say that she didn't go against Sandoval and vice versa and they weren't working against each other or with each other and doing things that upset the other one. And like, he could come back and say like, no, you can't do that. It's so obvious. Like, don't fuck this up. I mean, there's just like the situations are just limitless of what could have really gone down. Well, the other thing, which is the most ironic part of all of this is, you know, at the end of Lala's podcast, she was basically saying Raquel fucked herself royally because if none of this happened, she would have come out this season on top. She was, you know, Lala was basically saying she would have probably been one of the fan favorites out of the girls. And I'm trying to view this scene in a non-scanable world where Raquel is actually having this conversation with Ariana, but the plot twist is that she's not fucking her boyfriend. We, given the whole conversation we just had about how we as the fans view Ariana and Tom's relationship, we actually probably would have felt, wow, Raquel is like this voice of reason. You know, she's kind of saying all the right things. She's saying what it seems like a lot of Ariana's other friends don't want to say because they don't just want to go there and they've accepted that this is the reality of Tom and Ariana's relationship. But then having the knowledge we have, obviously you view the scene and you are absolutely infuriated. Meanwhile, if she wasn't fucking Tom, what she was saying actually makes total sense. And yeah, if Ariana is feeling this way, it probably does make sense that maybe their relationship has an expiration date. Honestly, you're so right. Like if you watch this back and Raquel wasn't fucking Tom, you would be like, she took one for the team. Like she stepped up to the plate and said, I know this will be uncomfortable and I know this might be pushy, but maybe it's what she needs to hear or she needs to talk it out to get out of this toxic relationship. But like, yeah, the context is absolutely everything here because now we're looking at how sick, twisted and like fucked up it is. Exactly. Exactly. 
when on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on daylight savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch, and Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash cbc. Visit hatch.co slash cbc to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash cbc. I know in the scheme of things, the Katie Schwartz and Raquel of it all is the least significant when we're comparing it to Scandaball. However, this part of the episode I thought was fucking amazing and like there's so much here. I think... I don't know how you feel about this or how how anyone else feels about this. I feel like my overwhelming takeaway is I very much respect the way that Katie is able to like put her pride aside, not play that she's above it all and kind of, you know, cooler than to care. And she shows, no, I'm really fucking pissed. This really fucking hurt me. And I don't need to act like it didn't. I don't need to be hardened to it. I'm going to show you how mad I am. And I feel totally justified and let it be known. And like that, I am on board with in the sense that I totally think if you feel something, you should feel empowered to say it. At the same time, there is a part of me that's like, I so wish you would have this freak out not in front of Raquel because I think Raquel is so twisted that she's loving this. Like, I think Raquel is literally getting off on this of, you know, her relationship with Schwartz, whatever that is, even if it's not just the kiss, but their friendship and the fact that they're creating this intimacy is the very thing that drives Katie fucking wild. It, it hits so directly on Raquel's insecurity that like, 
she's now being the girl that is causing all of this. I think to her, that is such an exciting spot to be in and makes her feel so desired and wanted and like she's above it. And it, it bothers me that even though I support Katie and getting her frustration out, that a byproduct of Katie getting her frustration out is Raquel feeling like she quote won. It's funny because like as a viewer, I'm so happy for her to do it in this setting because then Sandoval chimes in, Schwartz runs away, Lisa Vanderpump gets to watch it happen. You know, her mom is there, Lala gets to like help support her. But then if I'm like her friend, Katie's friend, like if I'm Stassi sitting at home watching this, I'm like, oh my God, Katie, why did you have to do this and give them the satisfaction and also feed into basically everything that they say about you? I know. It was such a hard watch. And then when Terry got involved. Oh, no, 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 no. No. You do not no. talk to your friends, parents, or anybody like that. I I was like on, on 100 when that happened. I, it was, I felt so uncomfortable. Like I felt almost equally as uncomfortable as I felt watching Danielle freak out about the proposal. Like it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things. Like it just shouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know how we always talk about uh, the, the crossover t- between like uh, a summer house and a housewives. It's exactly, okay, follow me. You're going to get this. It's exactly when we were saying when Giselle started hooking up with Jason from Winter House. And it was like, wait, mm-hmm. that line is, that line isn't horizontal. Like that, that feels like a diagonal. That's how I felt with this. It's like, okay, y- you two are allowed to fight with each other. You're not allowed to fight with Terry. Right. Exactly. Like, okay, you got to read like the hierarchy of the room. And then it's also like, you know, Lisa falls into a different category because she really inserts herself. Whereas Terry is there as a supporter of her daughter and is really just only saying things that, you know, Katie would want her to say just to be on her team. And Raquel is like rolling her eyes sick of it already. Like if you're so sick of it, then don't fucking do it. Also, it's not like Terry is calling you and harassing you every day. You had one other dinner conversation with her where she really, you know, said her piece and then had something else to say. Like the last thing you're trying to do in this scenario is disrespect Katie's mom. Like, you know, that's just like, that is worse than shooting yourself in the foot. I feel like she just like lit this fucking place on fire this episode. It's like she did. She did the whole season. Everywhere she went, it was just like, quietly creating such chaos. I mean, she's literally that meme of the girl where the house is burning in the background, you know, like she's, it's, it's, it's really, it's really, really something. I, 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 and by the way, just like to say, I'm not, I'm not saying I loved the fact that Terry, I don't mean was involving herself. Obviously it's her fucking daughter. Of course she's going to be protective, but like, I wish, I wish for Terry's sake, she didn't have to be involved in this conversation at all. It's not like the, the ideal world was her and Raquel discussing it and it being this like even if it was a calm interaction. I don't think they should have been discussing it. It's different when Terry talks about it with Schwartz. They were family. It's a completely different world. Like the fact that this was even happening in front of her isn't ideal, but like, you know, such is life. That's kind of how it goes. It was just Raquel's disrespect and the, you could tell the, the way she was getting off on being the one to cause all of this was making her feel such a sense of self-importance that clearly she lacks in her life for many other reasons. A lot to do with the pageant stuff, a lot to do with the, you know, a bunch of other things that we could really dive into if we were trying to do a, like a deep psychoanalysis. But also, okay, I don't know about you. To me, the moment of the episode where I felt I connected the most to the feeling that someone else was feeling was when Katie and Schwartz were outside and Raquel came over and you could tell yes. Katie was like, get the actual fuck away from me. I was like, if that's if that's me, and here I am talking to my ex-husband slash my partner of 12 years, and this fucking 
girl that made out with him one to two times, has this new friendship in the last year, and it's almost like the third in this fucking Sandoval Schwartz trio, tries to come over and mediate our argument slash give her input. That's that's the thing where I'm like, someone hold me back. And also, she is the reason slash catalyst for any of these issues. I mean, of course, they have other issues. Like, uh, if she wasn't there, I'm sure it would be something else. But at the current moment, the thing that is setting her off and is making her so upset with Schwartz, and I think what she views as the main reason that they don't have this like loving friendship that they dreamed about is her. So when she's running out of the restaurant trying to get away from this whole thing after Raquel just disrespected her mom and Raquel follows her, it's like, okay, I need my space. And then Schwartz is there being like, no, 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 listen, she's apologizing. She said, sorry. She said, sorry. Oh my God. I would have, I don't even know. I would have like locked myself in the car or I would have called, I would have literally gone, I would have hitchhiked out of there. I feel like I would, like, I honestly, if I'm Katie specifically, like you have to really put yourself in Katie's shoes, given all the the fucking history, all of that context. Like, I I feel like I would have called 911 or something. Like, I, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I would have just had this, like, I don't know. It was just like, get the fact that Raquel wouldn't just leave, like just leave. I don't want to fight with you. I'm not, Oh my God, I'm getting annoyed about it, even just recounting it. I can't imagine how fucking, the only word I can use is how fucking annoying that must have been. Like she was this little gnat. But again, it's like, I think she's on this subtle power trip because she stood up to Lala and she, you know, like has this newfound voice and this confidence, I think, because she's friends with Tom and Tom and feels like they kind of have her back in a way. Clearly they do, where- it's not like the whole group will shut her out if they don't agree with what she's saying. So she really feels this confidence to go up against the girls. And so here she has another opportunity to sort of like talk to Katie, say her piece, you know, maybe end the fight, but also like help Katie to understand why she thinks she's wrong. And like, it's just not the time. Like, I don't care about your personal agenda in this moment. You got to get the fuck out of here. You got to get the fuck out of here. I agree with you. I think that like, she leaves that, she leaves like Sir that night and she's just, you know, in her room with the galaxy lights herself (laughs) being like, wow, I really made these fucking bitches crazy. Right. She loves it. Here she is. She walks in and know just her little self and her little corset top and I think she loves that everyone is seeing red. I think she's like, wow, I even got Terry pissed. Like this is a successful evening. Right. Like Katie's an OG of the show and her and her husband were together. And all of a sudden I'm the problem. Like, I think she's like, wow, like I really did that. And I stood up to her. I made her cry. I made them have this fight. It's going to be such good TV. And like, by the way, I think she really truly in her heart of hearts believes she did nothing wrong because she keeps saying like, you're two single people. I didn't have this agreement with you. Schwartz did like blame him. We were never friends anyway, which like potentially in an alternate universe, could I see some of those points being legit? perhaps. But the way she goes about it, and then after what we know now, forget about it. We'd never be able to listen to that. But like, I just think in this moment, she feels so strongly she's right and sees that this rise she's getting out of them is so insane that like, yeah, you're right. She leaves there and is like, hmm, I really did the damn thing. Right. It's like the the, the visual that I have is her like, you know, pushing her hands together. Like my work here is done. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. trying to do it, but I realize it's not a video. You can't see him, but you know what I mean? Like I... This was wild. This was wild, wild, wild. And Schwartz, you know, just can't even can't even have the maturity to say, Raquel, I, 
you know, I, I adore you, but like, I think let's just, me and Katie are going to handle this one solo. Like that's all, Katie knows at this point, Schwartz isn't going to defend Katie against Raquel. He was he was part of the problem. He's the one that made out with her. That's not what Katie's looking for, but just to say, you know what? I think this is a conversation for for the two of us. I'll, I'll talk to you in a little bit. Like that's all he needed to say. That The bar was on the fucking ground. It's, the, the, yeah. Oh my God. This was wild. You're right though. Like if Schwartz literally had turned to Raquel in that moment and said like, Raquel, we really need to have this conversation. Like Katie asked you to leave. Do you mind just leaving? Even in that like subtle, chill voice, not giving it to her, that would have been the most backed up and supported Katie felt probably in years, if not ever. Like not only would that have been, I think the right thing to do, but Katie would have literally perhaps dropped the whole thing over that, you know, like she would have been like, Mm -hmm. wow, you're respecting me, backing me up, supporting me. Like who is this guy? Exactly, which is so sad that that's how, you know. That's what makes it so frustrating. Like, it's so fucking easy. It's not like they're asking for so much. It's like, just don't cheat on me. Just back me up in these little situations. Like, I'm not asking you to, like, hide a body for me, but just, like, ask Raquel to leave while we're having a conversation and I will be over the moon. Exactly. And you want to know something, which is such a satisfying moment as a viewer. Raquel can never lean on or think that, her defense of, yeah, you know, I don't know. It was just totally harmless is going to stand because we have the clips. We have the flashbacks where she's like, I mean, yeah, they got so mad about it. We at least may as well give them something to talk about now. Like she, she did the entire thing with Katie in mind. That is, that's the piece. That's why I know that there is an argument to be made for like, wow, Katie is really just overdramatic, whatever, anything you want to say. We can pretty much say factually that part of this, not on Schwartz's end, I truly, truly not on Schwartz's end. He was not trying to do it to get a rise out of Katie, or at least I will I feel that way. But on Raquel's end, 1 million percent that was in her mind. And that to me is justification enough for Katie's anger. Again, I wish she didn't react this way because I hate the the boost of confidence that it gave Raquel. But like, I get it. I get it. I know technically they didn't break a law. I get it. He was allowed. He was a single man. He could do whatever. There's just some things you don't fucking do. And it, I, I stand on that. I don't care. I, that's how I feel. She also keeps trying to make it like it was this sudden, like we're having fun in Mexico. It was the most like pre-planned, calculated, planted thing ever. It was like when you're in middle school and your two other friends say like, hey, do you want to kiss this person? Hey, do you want to kiss this person? Like, okay, great. Saturday night, eight o'clock at this party, you guys are going to kiss. And that's what happened. It wasn't like this spontaneous drunken makeout that just happened. Like, I don't think Katie would forgive them easier, but like you're talking to Katie who a couple of weeks before the kiss happened is sitting across from Raquel at a table and Raquel's like, yeah, I asked Schwartz to kiss. And she's like, okay, that's not really great. And then Raquel proceeded to do it anyway. So like, it, it just, oh my God, everything about this is just, it's fucking wild. But again, we cared so much and like, yeah, I want to see the combo at the reunion, but like, it's so nothing now. It's so nothing now. I mean, the, the, you know, what's funny is the way that when Sandoval inserts himself and then he starts to go to bat with Terry, it's like, this would have been crazy no matter what, but you're defending them so hard. Meanwhile, you're actively sleeping with her. Like, whoa. Yeah, no, I can't. I yeah, can't, I can't, well, I can't. I know. I love when Lala says in her podcast, I know you guys think this is scripted and this is planned. Like, I promise you it's not. And it's like, I know so many people think it is. But when she says that, she's speaking directly to my heart because I like pray to God that it's not. And I believe that it's not so badly that I love when 
like even she says that it makes me feel like, okay, I can sleep soundly tonight. Yeah. I've been reading like so many theories and I see people posting these timelines or whatever. Like you could find something with anything, but hearing her say that yesterday, I felt so comforted because I knew in my gut it wasn't true. And she really brought me back to like reality, no pun intended. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think I think that's a, a wrap on Vanderpump. Obviously, I could talk about this for eight more hours, but I feel that uh, we really exhausted the issue and we got ourselves the finale next week. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy. But honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero-tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like, I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com cbc. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. You guys, I know for the last few weeks, we've kind of been gradually getting more and more off Danielle's side onto Lindsay's side. I would say specifically in the last two weeks, it's really kicked into high gear. But this week, I can say 100%, absolutely no caveats, I am Team Lindsay. This is not the Danielle I knew. This is not the Danielle I stood up for all leading up to this season and knowing for sure, laying my head down at night saying, of course I'm going to be team Danielle. Of course it'll be Lindsay's fault. Of course, whatever Danielle says is obviously like the trustworthy narrator. That That is not this girl. I don't know this girl. No, no, no. We are dealing with a whole new set of facts here. And I 
was horrified watching this episode. Honestly, it was really, really secondhand embarrassment inducing. I am still processing it because, you know, it's, it's also like, obviously you and I in this current moment are not dating anyone, but like we're at the age where so many of our friends are getting engaged, engagements, marriages. That's, that's a thing that's happening in our lives. So this particular instance is something you can kind of personalize. Like, you know what it's like when your best friend got engaged, you know what it was like to be there and all that stuff. And it's a situation you can put yourself in, which makes her reaction and our reaction to her reaction even more upsetting. You watch this and you understand that she literally walked into that engagement party in like a real panic spiral. And like the information truly did slap her in the face. It wasn't like she had time to process. And not that that's an excuse. And if I'm Lindsay watching this back, I am simply horrified. I mean, she says, I spent the whole week listening to all my friends who were there say, Danielle was going around and asking how long everyone knew and comparing notes and just saying how she didn't know and was so upset about it. Like, imagine how Lindsay feels then watching the actual footage of it, not just hearing it secondhand from her friends. It's just like, it's unimaginable. And I also, you know, I think Danielle was in a really hard place. Obviously, her relationship ended not so far after this. I'm curious now, like, let's say at the reunion, what her perspective is watching this back of you know, was it that bad that Carl didn't tell you? Like, by the way, I don't think it's like necessarily the standard that your best friends have to know. I think it was a concrete and maybe the first tangible feeling that their friendship really had dissolved. And even though they both knew it, it wasn't, you know, kind of spoken about and until this happened. But I don't know. I just feel like that's not necessarily the rule. But then when she started hearing other people had heard about it and that Carl didn't give her the heads up, it was like, it just, it hit her fucking sideways and she just didn't know what to do or how to handle it. It wasn't even about that though, in terms of like whether or not that's the right thing to do or that that's like standard practice. It was more so for her, obviously it signaled just how drastically the relationship had changed. Like, yeah, obviously you can logically understand how her mind got there. But here's my thing. You can't tell anyone, right? Like who are we, who is anyone to tell anyone the way that they should emotionally, I'm talking internally, emotionally react to a situation. Fine. One thing you can do, however, is have a natural social grace and understanding of how to react publicly to a situation that quite frankly, we're the least important part of. And my response is like, she can't help the fact that she was literally having a nervous breakdown in the bathroom before she left. She was trying to talk herself down. Like that something was seriously going on for her. And you can't tell someone to not feel. What you can tell someone to do is when Kyle is announcing to you and to the entire house that this engagement is happening, to make sure you do not overtake the moment and fully make it about you so much to the point where you're changing the energy in the house that the other people who actually want to authentically celebrate Carl and Lindsay's engagement can't do it because they are so worried about pissing you off. Like, do you know how strange of a dynamic Danielle created in that house that Sam, Sam, who's a first season newcomer who has developed this very close friendship with Lindsay genuinely felt weird being publicly excited about the engagement as not to piss Danielle off. Like that's not, that's not normal. That is somebody that really has to deal with the core of what's going on here. And that's why I think the irony of this whole situation is here's Danielle, even if she's claiming that she's coming from a good place for weeks and weeks leading up telling Carl and Lindsay, I just wanted to make sure what's best for you guys. And I just care. And I want to make sure you know what you're doing here and you know what's going on. It's like, I already thought that advice was a little bit off given the way that you were presenting it. But now seeing the way that you are actually handling your own shit, 
Don't tell me because you're the last person I'm taking any advice from. Anyone who's going to react to a situation like this is the last person that I'm going to trust on how I should lead my life. It's like, what's that saying? You can't, you know, adjust the wind, but you can choose your, like how you adjust your sails or something like that. Like that's what needed to happen here. You're right. She's allowed to be upset. She could say, I will table this and have a conversation. And even if you need to go to the bathroom and take 10 deep breaths every half an hour and maybe shed a tear, but go back out there and put a smile on your face. I mean, I think she felt it was so far gone at that point that it didn't even matter how she behaved at this party because she had decided that they had decided the friendship was over. But like, if you truly did want to fight for the friendship, you would be there with the biggest fucking smile on your face, bells on, like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. And even if you didn't feel that way or you just had a smile, I mean, she gave Lindsay's parents like the biggest hello. I thought that that would be like, okay, they love me. I'm still part of this. I know everybody here. Like, let me not spiral for the next hour while we're at Dockers. And this can be a much later conversation. It just was like, it was so bad. Oh my God. It was like worse than they even thought it would be because I thought, yeah, she could make it about her and be going around to talking about it to like the people in the house or her immediate reaction would be like calling Robert and, oh my God, oh my God, they didn't tell me. But to bring it to the actual party in that way, I think everyone was like a little bit horrified and also didn't know what to do. And I think no one wanted to bring it up to her, talk about it because they thought it would just exacerbate the situation way, 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 way more. Okay. One million percent. And I was really trying to put myself in the position of somebody who was like us, you know, went into the season thinking they would be on Danielle's side, but then maintained on Danielle's side. Like someone who really still just is a self-proclaimed Danielle apologist and was like, I I think her reaction is justified and I get it. And they were so fucked up for not telling her whatever. If that's your thought process, like I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. That's everyone's entitled to their thoughts. But I was thinking, even if that was me, I still think I would fully say the going around to the other people at the party was just like objectively wrong. Like, I don't think there is a person that could defend that behavior because that that goes from like being sensitive to a person and trying to understand where they're coming from and having like empathy and compassion to like fully endorsing their complete selfishness and like lack of social cues in the sense of like, forget about Lindsay, right? Like, obviously this was so wrong to Lindsay. And if you really cared about her in the way that you claimed to, you would have never jeopardize her potential happiness or the happiness of her memory of the engagement party when she goes back and sees the footage. On top of that, you wouldn't put her closest friends and family in this type of a situation. It's like to involve the people in the way that she did and and bring not only drama, but like bring this energy around such a happy day or what should be such a happy day is just a wrong thing to do. It doesn't matter how right you are for your reaction. Like that's the part that I could not get over when she started going around. And I understand that this is a show here. And obviously Bravo was clipping every single conversation she had about it and putting it together. So of course, when you're viewing a montage of her saying that it makes it look worse than it probably was. Like there was small talk leading up to those interactions. It doesn't matter. It's just, to me, that's inexcusable. There's nothing that she could say at the reunion that would make me think that that was okay. I'm sorry. It's You just don't do, there's some things in life you just don't do. And that is just one of them. She's clearly going through it because Danielle two years ago would have never pulled this shit and she would have been absolutely horrified that someone would. Well, what you could see happening was that as everyone said, oh, how are you? How's the summer been? And she was like, you know, not great, whatever. And then got into the like, how long have you known? How long have you known? She wanted all of the people there who are clearly either mutual friends or people close to Lindsay to empathize with her and be like, wow, you didn't know until just now, like 
that's so fucked up and that's so unlike your relationship. And I can't believe Carl would do that and sort of validate her feelings. And like, of course, people weren't doing that. They're on their best behavior. They're not about to shit talk Carl in the way that he did his engagement five minutes after he did it. And she was just really waiting for that from all of the people who were there to say like, oh yeah, you're her best friend and like sort of pet her and be like, it's going to be okay. And I, you know, we agree with you. And it just simply didn't happen. No, it simply didn't happen. And by the way, if it was going to happen, it wasn't going to happen there. Like if you are looking for some sense of peace or some sense of, you know, support around this, look elsewhere. Don't look to Lindsay's closest friends. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not okay. Right. Like I I just, I have not, like I really, I, there's no way that you can defend this, even though of course she's, she's like actively mourning the loss. She, she, she had known that she was mourning the loss of her friendship with Lindsay for a while now. And that was happening, but you know, you can kind of rationalize in your head where you're at with someone when nothing so tangible had happened. This was like a tangible example. This was a line in the sand. This was it. There was no going back in her mind after this. And I think that that was terrifying for her. Like, I think she has a little bit of, I was going to say obsessive, and I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but she, she has a ideal of her relationship with Lindsay that clearly is not healthy. Like that's all, that's the, I would say the extent that I feel comfortable speculating. I don't know where exactly it's coming from, but it's obviously not entirely healthy. Or was that a point when maybe they were both single and they were like the number one priority in each other's lives and it's just simply completely unrealistic anymore? Yeah, it is completely unrealistic. And then, you know, a little bit later on when Kyle and Carl had that conversation, that was a moment where I was like, oh, I'm so annoyed on both of their behalves that they're filming this show and that like, if they weren't, there's no world in which Kyle would have said that to Carl at the engagement party. He would have at least waited a day. Yeah. Like he would have given him the heads up, but he would have never done it. And it sucked that he needed to do that in order for them to make the show. Like I get it. I understand if, you know, you're Kyle, your production, your whatever. Even if you're Carl, you know that it makes sense that that convert, that he's going to tip you off then. But it was just upsetting. Like Carl did not need that energy, especially because, and we see this in the scene we're about to talk to, like, in a way that Lindsay didn't actually, which is so ironic, Carl had a little bit of anxiety about the Danielle thing. Like he wasn't, the way that Lindsay was able to so easily and kind of seamlessly write Danielle off and know that she had no place in the engagement. It's not that Carl didn't, but it, it, it was something he thought about. You know what I mean? It was more of a conscious thought for him. It was something that made him a little bit worried because the truth of the matter is if you're comparing Carl and Lindsay, Lindsay is stronger than him. And, and that's not better or worse. It's just like, she naturally is somebody that is a little less like sensitive and a little maybe less empathetic to other people's feelings. Carl, I think, is a little bit softer than she is. And so he was actually having the reaction about Danielle that I think he would have expected her to have, yet she didn't. So now it was almost like when Robert has that conversation with him, he hears it first from Kyle, then Robert sits him down, which we'll get into. It's like Carl's worst fear being actualized. Yeah, and also because the engagement was his doing his planning and everything, Lindsay is sort of able to like wash her hands clean of it and be like, well, it wasn't me. It was Carl, you know, like they had mentioned, maybe we're looking at rings. She knew they moved in together or whatever, but it's like the same way as if a friend throws you a surprise party and someone wasn't invited, you can be like, well, I didn't make the list. You know, I didn't even know about it. And then you completely shift all the blame off of you. So of course, Carl was a little more, I guess, aware of it and nervous because it was his decision. It was up to him, whether he includes Danielle, tells her about it, you know, the extent of it, whatever. And Lindsay, A, like you said, is a little bit tougher. And I think also feels like they directly had a lot more issues, whereas Danielle and Carl 
Carl was just sort of like a byproduct of the whole thing. Like he was there, he was, you know, involved, but not directly. So it's like, yeah, they have like somewhat beef, but it's mostly like fall off from her beef with Lindsay. So it's a very, very weird, difficult situation. And I think she felt like, I I don't know. I mean, look, I I think the way she handled it was so wrong and just bizarre and cringy and sad, but like, I can't help but you know, in my gut feel just bad for her because I just can feel like that feeling where you're at that party and you just are so upset and feel like you are an outsider in a situation that you used to be like the literal core part of, especially like all your friends around these people. She's probably been at Lindsay's birthday parties with where like she sits next to Lindsay or she goes early or she's the one throwing the party. And now here she is at a party. She didn't even know what's happening until five minutes before. And it's like the biggest one of Lindsay's life so far. I know, like 1 million percent. I understand why she was having the reaction she did, even if you go back to history and you realize that it maybe wasn't justified because of course Carl wasn't going to include her based on the way she's done everything leading up to it. Even if we go two weeks ago, he even mentions the idea of engagement and she screams into a pillow. Like, I don't know, to me, that's not somebody who is welcoming the idea of engagement news. Like, no, it's not that I, 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 I mean it truly. I, honest to God, I mean, you know this, I said this to you like, like, a few hours ago when we were talking about this, like I have so much empathy for the pain that she's in. I have zero empathy for the way in which she handled it. Yeah. That's like, it's, I'm sorry. It's, you just, you just don't fucking do that. It's so wrong. It is so wrong. And by the way, like elephant in the room is that you are really pissed about the way that your relationship with Robert is going down. And the fact that in this moment, the path to engagement is not, you know, in, as close proximity as you probably initially thought it was. And the whole Lindsay Carl thing is stirring that up. In addition to the fact that there's a world in which you're about to be single and you're, you know, you're going to go back into single life, not having Lindsay, all that stuff is painful and scary. Of course, you know, especially because we, and this was not something that was discussed, but like, and maybe this is me just personalizing it a little, but I know you and I have had these conversations, especially with our friends. Like, unfortunately, for women, there is this biological clock that has been so ingrained in us and, and the ticking of it and like the timeline that we're supposed to do things on. And so quote, starting over in your thirties feels, can feel scarier because society has made us feel that it's scarier and it can cause panic. Like all these things that some of them aren't even Danielle's direct like fault. You know what I mean? The fact that she may be having some of these reactions aren't even hers to carry necessarily. It's, I feel for that. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Process that shit, not at her engagement party. I have to look at the timeline or maybe we'll hear about it at the reunion. But like at this point that Robert's having this conversation with Carl and obviously so fiercely defending Danielle and is clearly personally upset by the situation too. I wonder how close they were to their breakup because obviously you'd never be able to tell given, you know, what's going on here. But it it just felt like, was she feeling that their relationship was like starting to deteriorate. Of course they had issues, but it was like, we want to be together more or like your job keeps you away from me. Not things that I think would like prompt two people to like move out of their apartment. So I don't know what was going on at that time. Or maybe she just was like internally spiraling about it and feeling like she wasn't moving forward. Or perhaps there really were real issues going on in the relationship that we aren't seeing. Listen, I have been someone that historically has been a fan of Robert. I think that he's kind. I think he's generous. I, you know, just generally view him to be a pretty calm and fun presence to be around. I think he's added nothing but good vibes to the house anytime he's been there. However, I think the way he handled this conversation with Carl when he started to then question if 
Carl's reasoning for not telling Danielle was actually because Carl didn't feel entirely sure about the engagement was like a really fucked up thing to do. I think that's not something you say to someone who is one day engaged. And kind of a stretch. And a massive stretch. It's like, kudos to you for defending your girlfriend, but you didn't have to go that hard. No, it's like, it it, it just was, it really didn't make sense. Like I, I was following him and I understood like, you know, he, from his perspective is seeing like Danielle is the harshest critic and maybe she's holding the mirror up to you. And like, that's her position, which like is what a lot of best friends do. But you don't say that to someone like basically at their engagement party. No, I mean, the whole thing was just very strange. And the irony of it all is that even though the way Robert went about it was not something that like I was a fan of, it's actually funny because if you just look at like the structure in the way in which Carl and Robert both defend their respective partners, Lindsay would actually be far more aligned with the way that Robert does it. Like Lindsay would so much rather Carl make an outlandish claim in support of her than be a little bit more sheepish in his approach as he has been previously, as evidenced by the fight that they got into a few weeks ago where she kind of like lost it on him. Meanwhile, I'm watching this and I'm like, I think I would so much rather not have my boyfriend go that hard to bat for me and actually make sense. Right, like- a baseless claim is worse than no claim at all, in my, in my opinion. In my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends who you're looking at. I just think that that's like an ironic element of the situation, you know? Right, but I think if you're like Katie Maloney, who just is craving that backup, she would be like, I don't even care what you're saying. It could be complete gibberish, but the fact that you're doing it at all is just like such a gift to me because I've never had it before. Exactly, exactly. This was just like a wild episode, like really, and I understood it really Carl's was. Re- I understood Carl's reaction at the end when he was like, everyone just leave me alone. Like, I don't want to, I, I think at this point he's like, I'm not dealing with this. I, this, yeah, uh, yeah. Ugh, I don't know. Wild, wild, wild summer house. You really did deliver. And as always, what would be a summer house recap without just a little ode to Sam and Corey who are fucking keeping us going. And they're, Instagram post with just their sexiness. I'm obsessed in their little conversation. And I I love them. 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 Someone DM'd us and was like, I know that when Sam said to him, I think you like, like me, like Emma was losing it. I was like, oh, you see me. I was was losing it. Losing it. That is my absolute favorite type of interaction. It's just like, it's so fun when you have all of this built up tension and feelings and whatever with someone. And then like, you kind of get permission to say it and like call it out. It's it's so freeing and fun. And like, to me, that is just the most fun phase of a relationship. And I was living vicariously through them. I feel her butterflies. Yeah, for sure. Yes, exactly way to put it. I was like, why, why am I feeling something in my stomach? Right. <laughs> okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt. And now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. Told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again. And I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bowen brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you, it's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company. First of all, they're made with the rarest 100% organic cotton and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, 
I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BowlandBranch.com. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. One thing I love about a premiere is when they really prime us. Like we know they are laying the groundwork for an excellent season and that's what was happening here. You know, nothing nothing crazy here, no, no major takeaways to discuss, but you are really setting things up to know that in about three weeks time, I'm about to have a lot of fun on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving it. I'm happy they're back. The budget, the outfits, it's like, it's really giving me everything I needed. But this was like, for sure, a primer premiere, you know, sometimes you just need that to sort of like get back in the groove and understand the dynamics of what's going on with the ladies before you can like jump into the action, which like clearly is going to happen no later than the first scene of next week. I was really thinking during that scene of Sheree and Sonia at Sheree's house that there's a very specific feeling as a housewife viewer when it comes to a season premiere and they do, you know, the filming at everyone's homes. Not all homes elicit the same reaction. Like it doesn't feel as good to be back in Teddy Mellencamp's home as it does to be in Kyle's. Like there's just something about a specific home that carries weight. And I was really watching this and saying to myself, there is just something about being back in Chateau Sheree that does it for me. When you look up worth the weight in the dictionary, it's a picture of Chateau Chiray because it, it slaps every time the beautiful B-roll of the outside, the inside, that grand foyer. I'm like, you know what? We might've waited about two decades for this, but at least it's there and at least it paid off. It's like when they showed Candy behind her desk and they're talking about the you know business with Candy Coated Nights, it made me think like, I remember that feeling when it would be you know back in the... OG days of OC. And I just saw Vicky at that Kodo office. I was like, okay, we are back, baby. There's nothing like candy behind her desk. You know, she's making deals, wheeling and dealing. She's about to call somebody out. She's going to make some money. She's going to produce a show. She's going to call Todd in there and tell him something important. Like, it's so good. You know, that's the kind of shit I miss. And I love this era of Sheree's life, by the way. This is the version of Sheree that I'm so excited to witness because being stood up by that other guy, that's just not going to fly. Yeah, I got to look more into this guy because clearly everybody has some doubts. But like, you know, at least he shows up. At least he's there. At least he's present. He seems into her. Like that's at least an upgrade because when she was sitting alone at that cafe, like I will, I'll never forget it. No, I mean, I cannot get that vision of her in the fur cape, the brown leather boots sitting at that table with her martini or whatever it was out of my head. And this... One thing that's going to make me forget about that is her and her like unbelievable fucking body doing squats in her gorgeous home with her like super jacked boyfriend. Like that, love this for you. Love it. It's just what we all should aspire for. Didn't see enough Marlo for my liking, but maybe that's just a personal note. Yeah, but I feel like we will, you know, like at least we have her now. I don't feel like she's like coming and going. Like she's here 
they'll give her her time when it's ready. And like, I, I feel like she will be involved this season and like she's finding her footing as not a friend of. Yeah, completely. In terms of Jersey, I don't know. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you take the raids on this because I have minimal things to say. I, I would say my biggest takeaway is that that conversation between Louis and Teresa was like pretty concerning, the one where they're in the bedroom. Um, you know, not to say that he isn't entitled to his reaction. If that's how his protectiveness over Teresa manifests itself, so be it. But that that's the side where we're like, you know, we always go back and forth on, do we like Louis? Do we not? He's talking about a snake pit. I'm like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. This was an episode where it's like, we sometimes feel red flags. We sometimes feel green flags. This was like red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Like, I don't know. How did he change his tune so fast? I know like obviously things progress and happen, but from one week to the next, it was like, let's make it work. I want them to be there. You know, let's invite Melissa's mom. And now all of a sudden he's like, I never, I wouldn't even care if they, they didn't come to our wedding and they're the worst people in the world. And was it that conversation he had with Joe Giudice of like, Joe Gorga will never be happy with any men in her life? I don't know. I just think they both got to a breaking point and like, it's certainly not the way to go about it, but I just think it is a absolute dead end. And like, we thought it was a dead end before. Nope, just, you know, a U-turn. And here we are truly at rock bottom. I know. And it's just when I watch these scenes, not only Teresa and Louie, both Teresa and Louie and Melissa and Joe, I, I can't help. Of course, I know it's a reality show. I know all of that, but it's just like, they are so intentional in wanting to make sure that their narrative is the prevailing one. And I think Teresa specifically, like she's just a bad actress. It's like, I I don't know. To me, and I'm not saying this is the correct opinion, I'm just saying it's mine. There's so many unbelievable things that Bravo is doing at the moment that like Jersey, which was my OG love, it's just not, it's just not hidden. I know. I I actually like all the other scenes that aren't Teresa and Melissa, I really thoroughly enjoy. Like I enjoy Rachel Fuda with her son and the adoption. I enjoy... Danielle and her brother's storyline. I enjoy like a lot of it is super interesting to me. And I love Dolores's dynamic with Polly and, and, you know, figuring it out with Frank, like that is all great to me. It's just like this cloud of the Gorga and Teresa, you know, the wedding looming is like, it's really a Debbie Downer. I I know. Wait, the Dolores Frank scene was amazing. Like so good, right? Amazing with the full yeah. family and like him trying to come to terms with the fact that this is their new normal. Oh, I, I could watch <laughs> that. By the way, just give me like the fucking Frank and Dolores show at this point. That's all we're really here for. I know. It was so funny when everyone's like clouding Brittany for the, the comment that she made to Polly. And I'm like, okay, yes, but you should see the way she cuts those layers. Because if you saw Carly's hair. <laughs> Forget it. She's the most skilled <laughs> hairstylist on the side of the Mississippi. How'd you know I was going to say on this side of the Mississippi River? Because I know you well. <laughs> okay, guys, I think that is all. I, I really need a Ricola. Like, I, <laughs> is your voice strange? <laughs> That's all I have left in me, so. I know. I think I was like yelling during the Vanderpump part in a way that I didn't realize, but that's, that's okay. That's what Tom Sandoval will do to you, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Julie and I will be back next Tuesday, I believe, for our regular episode. We love you. Thank you. Thank you.